Yins guys. Thank you for listening to the Bridge to Bucktober podcast where we talk all about them Pittsburgh Pirates and that. Today is March 13th. Major League Baseball players have reported to spring training. They did it. The owners and players have come to an agreement and Major League Baseball is back. And for real this time. Scope Bucks. Thursday afternoon, MLB's proposal was accepted by the players and ratified that evening. Opening day is now April 7th. Pirates in St. Louis. And the home opener, wouldn't you guess it, is being played on 4-1-2 at 4-12 p.m. They had to. Had to. They had to. My name is Josh, and I'm joined, as always, by my brother, Jake. What's up? How we doing, man? I mean, how we doing? How we doing? That four twelve start, I tell you what, that's that's a class move. I like it, but I don't like it too because I don't know if I'm going to be able to go. I was kind of excited that they moved it to an evening game. Well, because so, of all this, yeah, I was that, like, oh, now I might get to go to opening day. But they, they moved it to a know. day that was scheduled to be an evening day. They yes. would have. They would. I guess the word is they would have rather moved it to like a one thirty game, but they're in St. Louis the night before. So four o'clock was the earliest they could move it. So then they were like, uh, can we just do four <laughs> twelve? So yeah, it's if it wasn't that I still might see what I can do. I, I I still would like to get there. Take the day off. Oh man, I'm running out of days already. Yeah, well I got a that's lot what happens when you travel. Year. A lot on the schedule this year. Hey, we're wearing our green. Yeah. What up? Yeah. I need to go this way. We're wearing our green. If you're watching on YouTube, <laughs> you can see the green. I got my my baseballism. Uh, four leaf clover baseball shirt. St. Patrick's Day is this week. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, nobody that watches on YouTube is surprised that we care. I mean, we got the red beards. You know what I mean? It's not even like I got. You yeah. know, it's mm-hmm. fine. It's fine. St. Patrick's Day. So my wife always jokes that I'm her leprechaun. So oh gosh, dude. Oh, no short guy with a red beard. This is a baseball pod. You're doing the oh. <laughs> Let's not go there. Hey, uh, <laughs> hey! I want to send a shout out to the Pirates Fan Forum on DK Sports uh, Pittsburgh for having me on this past Friday. It was a good time. Uh, if any of our listeners are not familiar with Gary and Jim on the Pirates Fan Forum podcast, go check it out. Uh, had a good time. Uh, it was actually Thursday, but released Friday. Uh, really good show over there. They run it good. Good stuff. Shout out to you guys. And... Uh, You'll be seeing one or two of them on here at, on a later date uh, sometime. We're, we're excited. We talked about having them on, but it was a good time. Um, something we haven't gotten to do in a long time is start our show off with transaction news. Uh-oh. There's free agency and trading and all that jazz opened back up on Thursday night as well, even though it wasn't like as fast as we thought. Like I texted Jake on Thursday night and I was like, hey, what's up? He goes, absolutely nothing. <laughs> <laughs> nobody's doing anything. And I said, well, they can't like admit that they talk to people over the lockout. I just, I, there was, there were, I just thought, you know, behind the scenes, even if they weren't talking to the players, I would think they would have had offers just sitting there waiting. Just, I thought just maybe trade. Yeah. I thought maybe trade talks because they could talk amongst themselves maybe, but yeah. See, Sounds I'm like the, everybody me, followed the, the, the rules. <laughs> Well, I, I was like the opposite. I'm thinking, okay, so you're you're looking at what you have right now, yeah, and you're looking at the free agent pool. 
you don't have to talk to them to think, okay, we could offer this guy X amount of years with X amount of dollars. And then as soon as the lockout, you know, as soon as everything unfreezes, shoot that proposal out. Yeah. You know what I mean, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to refresh your video here because you seem like yeah, you were noticed a, that. a little behind. So your audio on the audio format is good, but your video audio on the video might've been a little off anyway. Something mess with that. Um, yeah. So MLB transactions, we'll go there first. We got some old buddies here. Phillies hires Sean Rodriguez as a player development instructor and the White Sox signed Josh Harrison to a deal like a one year deal, but it has like an option for the second year. So like it's a guaranteed five and a half million or something like that. So White Sox, that'll be a good look for him. White Sox mm-hmm. also signed Joe Kelly. Speaking of the White Sox, Carlos Rodon goes to the Giants two years, 44 mil and Clayton Kershaw back to the Dodgers. Hate all you want on the Dodgers. Clayton Kershaw should play for the Dodgers. Mm-hmm. So I'm happy about that. Um, twins traded for Isaiah Kiner-Falefa from the Rangers in exchange for Mitch Garver. We were actually on opposite sides of that trade because I was like, oh, Twins going after Kiner. And you were like, uh, Rangers going after Garver. <laughs> and yeah. I was like, uh, there's another guy in there. Turns out that trade actually was was done before the deal, but there was the minor league pitcher wasn't settled until after the lockout before the lockout. I'm going to say anyway, Yeah. who knows? I saw that the, that the Rangers stud third base prospect, Josh young is uh, Josh young or Jung. I think it's young. He's out for the year. So now I'm kind of like, well, you probably biting yourself a little bit for that one. Yeah. They still upgraded their catcher. Yeah, but I don't care. They stink. Anyway, <laughs> Yeah, with Seager at short now, but I get it. I get it. And Simeon at second. Oh, that's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah, they got a lot of guys that can play third then. That's fine. They're fine. Anyway. If they don't have a third baseman, I'm sure they got a second baseman and Simeon can slide to third. Yeah, Twins also, when they signed Andrelton Simmons, they also went out and they traded for the Reds pitcher Sonny Gray, Mm -hmm. which is a little close, you know, in division. So now we're not dealing with Sonny Gray. Uh, more times. So the twins who won 73 games last year, but they won the division in 19 and 20. So looking for a bounce back year from those guys. Yeah. Mets sign Adam Adovino, number zero himself. Uh, guys, there's a lot of other deals. Uh, I don't want to take any more time up on this. MLB trade They're all there. <laughs> Mostly there. The Taylor Davis signing, not there. Speaking of pirates, resigned Taylor Davis. <laughs> On what <laughs> seems to be a minor league deal, uh, he showed up on the Pirates site as a forty-man guy, but I don't think that's the case because just today they claimed left-handed pitcher Aaron Fletcher from Seattle, and then they tweeted that their forty-man roster was full, which means that Taylor Davis was not added to the forty-man roster, at least to my knowledge. So those are the deals: a minor league deal and a waiver claim that we don't even know if he'll last spring training. <laughs> Bad MOB numbers for him. Okay, AAA numbers, and I guess we'll just wait and see what happens in spring training and whether or not we care. That it? All right, that's it. I believe so. All right. Hey, the the Brian Reynolds reports are back in full swing. We love these. Jeez. Padres, Marlins, Mariners, Phillies, all of them are in. They're interested. Of course they are. It, it This time, it's a report that Brian Reynolds turned down an extension prior to the 21 season. I'm sorry. I'm going to spend about 60 seconds on this and we're going to move on. We got a lot to do. So what? (laughs) Of course he turned it down. 
He had an awful season in 2020. He bet on himself that he'd bounce back, and he did. To me, this is not news. No one would have signed a contract that year. Not one player would have signed a contract extension after that season. This is just another narrative to make everyone think he's getting traded. Whether he does or not, it has nothing to do with this situation. (laughs) If he gets traded, it has nothing to do with him turning this down. And this report on MLB trade rumors was immediately followed up with how much the Marlins want Reynolds. It's just annoying. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like I said, I'm not saying he's not getting traded. Not saying that he's signing an extension tomorrow. I'm just saying that the reports are irrelevant to whether or not these things happen. Mm-hmm. It's clickbait. End of story, right? Yep. Anything to add there? No. I no. mean, no. No. Because who cares? Like I said, yeah. I'm not saying anything's going to happen. And I'm not, uh, as much as I want Brian Reynolds extended, I also don't think it has to happen this season. Or this offseason. We have him for four, if you count this year, four more years. Yeah. And he's already arbitration because he was super two. So, I don't care. Yeah. I don't care. Baseball's back. So excited. The lockout. I had a guy, I had a guy at work ask me, so how you doing? How you holding up? I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> he's like, baseball. I'm like, well, yeah, that sucks. I said, but we're back now, so. Yeah. Let's go. Let's go. Lockout's been lifted. Deal's been ratified. Players are in spring training as of today. As of, you're listening to this on Monday, as of yesterday, we mm-hmm. are, we are recording on Sunday night, but um, let's talk about some of the things on the table from this schedule. Uh, how in the world are they going to do 162 with seven less days? Right. Uh, the games that were scheduled to be the opening series of this. Se- Wait a minute before I get going, because we know how we do. I'm going to tell you right now, it doesn't matter what podcast app you use, whether it's even, even if you're watching on YouTube, you can slow me down if you need to, because there's some of this stuff that I'm going to try to speak as clear as I can and go as fast as I can. If you really want to pay attention to some of these things that maybe are important and maybe, you know, we pass up, slow it down, back it up, all those kind of things. I'm just letting you know that now so that you know, you say like, dude, really? You're flying. <laughs> anyway, the games that were scheduled to be the opening series of the season are now pushed to the end. The season is extended three days at the end to fit in those three games. So October 3rd through 5th, they're going to be playing that series. Um, and if there was any days off, there won't be. It'll be three straight days, right? Um, a couple of those were four-game series. They'll play a doubleheader. Full nine-inning doubleheader, Jake. Yes, you happy? Real Major League Baseball. Real Major League Baseball. I was kind of like, eh, I don't care about the seven innings. And then I was like, yeah, but that's the point right there. It's Major League Baseball. Should be nine mm-hmm. innings. The second series, uh, doubleheaders and mutual days off will fit those games in. There's still some sorting out to be done for some of those games. Uh, the point is, the season's three days longer, and there aren't any real confusing situations for the Pirates because both of those series were division opponents. So they'll be able to fit the Cincinnati series in here and there, maybe with a day off or a doubleheader or something like that. Should be relatively easy to make those games up for the Pirates. There's are a couple teams out there who have a couple questions, but we're not, you know, uh, we're not those teams' podcasts, so we don't care. Um, <laughs> uh, we're gonna get into a rule change. Um, there's an extra team in the postseason, but however it's done, the World Series did not change dates. 
thanks to Fox telling MLB they couldn't change it. Can you believe it? <laughs> I love that one. But anyway, it uh, wild card series still going to start on October 7th. World Series still going to start on October 28th. There's like a talk where they may do it on like the 27th. I don't know why, but they, they're still trying to work some of that stuff out. But um, as far as the spring schedule, it's different. I'll be honest. Go, go look it up. It's not worth getting into when we have all this stuff to talk about. There's 18 games. Let's move on. <laughs> and it starts Friday. Starts Friday. Games. Yes. Love it. So let's get into it. Expanded postseason. This is the thing that really kind of made me nervous a little bit. There was talk about a 14-game postseason. There was talk about 12. When I hear that number, I'm like, that's dumb. But like 12 is only one more than they had last year. Yeah, per side. So, yeah, per side. So like, okay. And that's why I didn't like the five because I knew it would lead to six and lead to eight. Dude, or seven. Seven's too many. In my opinion, I think it should be hard to get there. I think if you play 162, you ought to be able to figure it out by then. Yeah, I, the 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 narrative I kept hearing is seven would have watered down the 162. 100%. So, uh, three division winners, three wild cards, um, and we're gonna get into this a little bit to see like how stupid it is and all that stuff. But let's let's get through the kind of the nuts and bolts here. They will be seated, put into a bracket style. With division winners being the one, two, and three seeds. Top seed gets home field advantage. Uh, the wild card round, top seed gets home field advantage with a three-game series at their park. All three games, one stadium at their park. Bracket three style, days. three straight days. Bracket style, meaning that there's no reseeding after the wild card game. It doesn't matter who wins that 3-6 game. If the six seed wins, they go on to play number one. If the three seed wins, they also go on to play number one. They're not going to reseed. It'll be bracket style. Um, and I believe it is the one plays the winner of the three six and the two plays the winner of the five, the four five. I believe that's what it is. Um, Why is that important? Hasn't it always been bracket style? Yeah, but there's only been one game. The other game was already decided. In, in the NFL, what they do is they play that first game and then the number one seed gets the lowest seed available. Yeah, okay. You know what I mean? And now it's it's just, this is they're saying this is straight bracket style. So if the six seed win or if the three seed wins and the five seed wins, sorry, number one seed, you're playing the three seed. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that you're playing the other division winner. And then, you know what I mean? So, you know, that's yep, that. Gotcha. It, so basically you want to be the number two seed is what I'm reading off that. That way I can play a wild card team. But then again, the wild, the four and five seeds might actually be better than the three seed because the three seed is the other division winner. If their division yeah. was crap, they could, you know what I mean? Anyway, uh, I think he, I'm going to go through some of my favorite things about this. No more one game playoff. Yes, even though we probably had one of the top one game playoff moments in the one game playoff history. Okay, so with uh, the Cueto incident, this However, has been. No, I'm going to set you up for this. I want you to talk, but but I want to say this first. I know that because we're Pirates fans, we remember the two. And if you remember the the the, the Cueto moment, we, we had just swept them in mm -hmm. Cincinnati. We hosted that game. We were the better team. Mm -hmm. So a three-game series wouldn't have bugged me there, right? It wouldn't, have, it wouldn't have been like, oh, we got ripped up. No, but the next two years, we faced the one pitcher on those two teams that was just on an electric run. Mm -hmm. uh, Bumgarner starting his Arietta at the end of, well, you know, still going on his. 
But I think in a three-game series, we beat those two teams. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, without that in mind, I want to hear this because I was really excited about the fact that a three-game series fixes the one thing I thought was broken in baseball as far as like postseason and getting that other team in. I thought it was absolutely broken and it needed fixed immediately. Mm -hmm. And I was really excited. And then I started watching the coverage and everybody's like, yeah, kind of bummed that one game playoff is gone. Where are you at on this? I'm I'm with you. I I didn't like it. It's not, that's not, baseball is a series style game. It's not based on one day. The Cueto moment still would have been the Cueto moment if it was the first game of the uh, first playoff game in Pittsburgh and as long as it was, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I I, I actually thought thought when you started that, when you started that, I thought you were going to go with them and say, oh, that, that, that wild card game is awesome though. No, but I, I don't like what we're getting into next. And that's the, there is no more 163. No more game 163. Right. Uh, there, there are going to be, not a fan. there are going to be tiebreakers in place so that game 163 doesn't happen. I am still okay with this. You figure it out in 162. I understand the 163 is so like electric, but what you're doing now is with the game 163 in the format that it was, you're basically talking about those guys are already in, in, in this format. You already have that team in. Now they get a series. But now if you extend it to another team, you're just getting into that seventh team now. Like, dude, just get the tiebreakers in place. Also, you have now a three-game series instead of one game. Your schedule, you, we can't throw the, we can't have baseball in mid-November. I know one day is not going to push it to mid-November, but the point is that like something's got to give at some point. You can't keep adding and adding and adding and adding. I, I agree with you to that point, to, to some of that, but I also... If you're deciding on whether you're going to host that three-game series or not, that's a big deal. But there will be tiebreakers in play. I, that's the thing that gets no, me. No, I know. Especially I know. starting in 23. Especially. And we're going to get into that later, but there's a, there's a balanced schedule coming that's going to really... Imp- those tiebreakers should be very easy after this year, in my opinion. Yeah. And it should be enough to make a decision on it, in my opinion. So anyway, I, mean, I see it. I there, see it. There's also another piece of this because I know these expanded playoffs, there was a lot of talk how they were going to do this and what they were going to do. You know, that whole choosing your opponent thing that was about to happen. They did not get that in. Thank goodness. Just tell me who to play. Mm-hmm. This was going to be some WWE garbage, in my opinion. No, no offense to the people who like WWE, but you like it for that. It's not baseball. And it was going to, you know what I mean? Didn't Yeah, I never under really understood that. Like analogy. like you're going to say I, like, I, I oh, we want to play this team. And then that team is going to be like, fine, we'll come and beat you. And it's like, dude, come on, just tell us who to play. This isn't like, you know what I mean? I don't yeah, like that. Yeah, I get it. it to me, it's, it's uh, yeah, I don't know. I do a lot with, my videos jacked up again. Um, I do a lot with like high school. So I get the picking your opponent because you get, you get your choice of who you want to play. They do that in high school? Absolutely. That's, I don't like it. I think that you play, I think you play a season and it decides it. And then there's numbers there. There's statistics, there's records. There's all the things there that tell you who you should play. 
Let it play out. I, I didn't like it, but but I thought it would have given another opportunity to. I, I I've seen some talk on it, and and I I'm I would have come around to it. I would have got behind it. Okay, who you know who are they going to pick? Who they who do they want? Yeah, I just Who's feel like have it's the chip on their shoulder because you picked me. That's it, and I feel like it's added drama that probably is not important to have. That's just my opinion on it. Well, we just, I, I think what it was was a, a shot to get more promotion for the Yeah. Game. Oh, 100% it was. I don't think more anybody would have watched it. I think they would have just said, like, who do, who are we playing now? Why why is this hard to know? I, that's my opinion. I, I just think yeah. that people wouldn't have done it, but maybe they would have. Maybe I'm wrong. All right. Yeah, I'm, so I'm not, I'm not saying I'm with it. I'm just. Yeah. So let's, let's, uh, let's stay on the piece of the sixth team mm-hmm. because we want to say, like, okay, we've added another team now. And the fear of, as you said, watering down the 162, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I just want to go through the last 10 years and say, who's the worst six seed that would have made the playoffs in every year? So let's go down through to 21. Last year, Toronto would have made the, the postseason at 91 and 71. And I got to tell you, they may have made a run there. Oh, yeah. They were good enough. However, in the National League, it would have been Cincinnati at 83 and 79. We're starting to get into this 83 and 79, right? So you're saying mm-hmm. like that's awful close to 500. Um, it's not all that bad. In 20, uh, the Yankees would have made it 33 and 27. Those numbers feel really close to each other. At least they did to me. In a full season, that would have equaled out to 89 wins. So that's respectable. Yeah. In the National League, it would have been either Miami or Cincinnati. Um, now they were 31 and 29. Once again, sounds really close, but that winning percentage is actually better than Cincinnati's from last year. They would have been between 83 and 84, so it's barely. Basically, same thing as Cincinnati. Two years in a row, 83-ish wins. They would have made the postseason two years in a row, depending on the tiebreaker between Miami and Cincinnati. You see what I'm saying? Like that would have added a seventh team in the mix. I just don't think a 163 is that important to to play when you already have all these extra games. And, like, you only made it to 83 or 84 wins. Yeah. So, figure it out. Um, in 2019, it would have been Cleveland at 93 wins. I'm just going to do the wins, I think, because I think mm-hmm. we get it at this point. National League would have yeah, been the fair. Mets at 86. Those are all, like, that's okay. Yep. Um, 18, Tampa Bay at 90 wins. St. Louis in the National League at 88. 17, the AL would have either been Tampa Bay, Kansas City, or the Angels. And this is a big one because they would have been, they were all, all three of those teams were 80 and 82. Now, I did take a note on this. Cleveland won 102 games that year. Houston won 101 games that year. And only two teams uh, were under 75 losses. For the American League. Only two teams were under 75 losses compared to the six teams that were under 75 in the National League. What I'm saying is two big time winners and then only two like really low basement guys, which means there was a lot of even schedules in the American League that year. So 80 and Mm -hmm. 22 was under 500, but there was a lot of competition, I feel like. There was only two teams that were really like beat up all the time, but there were two teams yeah. that beat everybody else up all the time. So it's kind of a weird thing, but nonetheless, 80 and 82, right? 
Mm-hmm. So nationally, so they got Trout into the playoffs. It, maybe depending on the tiebreakers, right? But Kansas yeah. City was in the mix. You know, Tampa Bay. You know what I mean? As that would have been, you know. Uh, but National League would have been St. Louis with 86 wins. 2015, the Angels would have been in the playoffs at 85 wins. And the the Cardinals again. Oh, wait, did I say the Cardinals for 17? It was Milwaukee with 86 wins. In 16, I already did. I'm jumping all over the place, dude. So the year that the 17 was the year with the three teams. Milwaukee, 86 wins. 16, Detroit, Seattle. Um, they were wins. They were 86 wins. But there was a like a weird thing. Um, Detroit was eighty six and seventy six. Seattle was eighty six and seventy five. But that was the year, uh, or no? This in this year, Detroit only played one hundred and sixty one games. Um, Detroit wouldn't have na- needed to make up their one sixty two to determine the seed, unless they would already own the tiebreaker. Then they wouldn't even have to play it because even if they lost, if they own the tiebreaker, then just put them in. Mm-hmm. So anyway, that was like a weird one. That was the year St. Louis 86. I'm really confusing you guys, but you, you hear the wins. They're 86 wins, both of them. 15 was the Angels at 85 wins. The Giants at 84 wins. 2014, Seattle at 87 wins. Milwaukee, 82 and 80. Right? 506 winning mm-hmm. percentage. They're one game away from being an even 500, and they're in the postseason. So this goes back to the 2017 where there was three teams at 80 and 82 Um, in 2013, Texas with 91 wins, Washington, 86 wins. Uh, I do have a note on this one. It looks like Texas and Tampa Bay played a game 163. So Texas record finished at 91 and 72, but it technically would have been 71 losses and been the sixth seed. I don't really know because there was a game 163. So one of those two teams would have made it. I don't know. And in 2012, Tampa Bay with 90 wins, the Dodgers with 86. Most of these teams are above 85 wins or 85 or above. Where's the cutoff for you where you feel like, all right, I mean, obviously the 80 and 82 teams, you're like, they shouldn't have made the postseason. Right. How about like those 83 win Cincinnati or even the 82 win Milwaukee to me is like, no, you, you, you barely got over 500. Yeah, and and it's not like they played in a division like the Central. Those years weren't like we weren't I, a stacked division. I forget 2014. I mean, that was the year. That was a yeah. That was that was the year that the it would have been everybody. Yeah. No. 16 was the year. No, 14 was the year we won 98. The Cubs came in and yeah, they won 97. Cardinals had 100 and Milwaukee had 80 or 82 and 80. So technically you could say they were probably better than 82 and 80, but got beat yeah. up by three. The three best teams in the National League were in that division. You would have right. had four teams from that division in the postseason. And if it was this format, that's nuts. Yeah, I, I was more talking about like the 21, 20, like the, the Reds. There. Okay. Yeah. Um, that's a good point. Yeah, you know, the, the, those years down there, the the central was stacked, but the past few years, the central has not been what it was. So, an eighty three win team makes the postseason as the six seed. Is that watering it down? No. How about no, the eighty two win it. team? I mean, without thinking about the rest of the division. Yeah, I mean, it's a hundred and sixty two game season. Yeah, five hundred is good. 500 it's not super easy 
this a year, lot of chances. This year, the NFL added a seventh team. And there was a lot of praise about it. Like, yeah, and it was great for the game. And I was like, dude, those, both those teams got waxed. Yeah. And I understand. <laughs> I understand where one of them's from. That's not the point. They showed that maybe they probably shouldn't have been there. Yeah. Now, there's going to be a seven seed in the NFL who wins a Super Bowl. It's going to happen. Yeah. You allow a team to get in. They're they're good enough to make a run. It could be that somebody was hurt or multiple people were hurt and they had to make a late-year push. I think there's going to be some of that. I think going to a seventh team would have made a much bigger difference. And I didn't run those numbers, but I think it would have made a much bigger difference. Yeah. I don't think this waters it down. I do think that it does provide another opportunity. It does keep more people engaged longer. That's what makes me for it because I'm a baseball fan. We've talked about this yeah. a lot here. We are Pirates fans, but we are also big baseball fans. And I want this game to grow. I want it to be where it used to be, number one, top dog. If this helps, then I'm for it. So whatever. For us purists, we want it to be really hard. But at the same time, it's like, yeah, but at some point, you've got to make this interesting for as many people as possible. Yeah. There's going to be more of that as we talk about this. So let's go ahead and talk about other. I mean, that was expanded postseason. Let's talk about some of the other rule changes. DH everywhere. For or against? You're in. Okay, I'm I'm in. We've talked about this a little bit. Um, If you guys want us to break this down a little bit more, let us know. If you hate this, let us know. Um, I will say this. The, the the National League fans that I talk to are kind of like, man, it's a bummer because it it's not going to feel like baseball for a while. It just feels like, you know, I, I've heard the comments of they might as well fire the coaches then. Let them go. There's no point in having a manager in baseball. Here's the thing. The American League's had a manager in baseball for a long time. There's obviously still a need for it. But I understand your thought process. There is some things that we're used to that aren't going to happen anymore. I will say this, though. I have a lot of friends who are grew up watching the Cleveland Indians, Guardians now, but they grew up watching them when they were the Indians, so that's fair. And they're like, I can't believe that you're okay going to a baseball game and watching a pitcher hit. I can't believe it. They, they don't understand why we're okay with it. And I said, because in my mind, I've never thought I'm going to a stadium to watch a pitcher hit. I never once thought that. I've always no. just thought that I'm going to a baseball game and never thought anything different of it. The thing is, is all the American League fans, they also have never thought anything different of it, and it pains them to watch a pitcher hit because they're like, why are we doing this? So yeah. it just depends on what you grew up watching. These these guys that are friends of mine, like, when was the DH put in? Most of my friends, it was before they were born. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Like, it was the 70s, right? That was when the DH came in. Most of us were born in the 80s. You know what I mean? So yep. anyway... For, for American League fans, they don't understand what National League Baseball's doing. For us, we've always thought, eh, it's pure. It's the way it's always been. You know what I mean? I'm going to yeah. tell you one thing. Give it. For some of us, I mean, I was already used to it at the end of 2020. For some of us, it's going to take a year. For some of us, it's going to take like five years. But eventually, you're going to be like, this is baseball. The pitchers don't hit in college. They don't hit in any level of the minor leagues. And then you're going to ask them to pick up a bat when they get to the majors. I think that's probably my biggest. That one makes the most sense to me. You'll get used to the game with an extra hitter. It's going to be like it was in high school when your pitcher raked anyway. Yeah. (laughs) You know what I mean? So, all right. Here we go with a bunch of stuff, though. 
uh, the playing rule changes will be handled by a re, uh, a re, a reconstituted. Jeez, I'm awful sometimes. <laughs> They're going to be handled by a competition committee comprised of representatives designated by the commissioner's office, active players with at least one active pitcher and one active position player and an umpire. They will be responsible for adopting, revising, and or repealing playing rules, in addition to providing the timeline upon which changes to such playing rules will be adopted, beginning with the 2023 season. What? (laughs) (laughs) Basically, this committee will decide on new rules starting with the pitch clock, big bases, and shift restrictions. Those are not in place in 22. Right? Pitch clock, big bases, shift restrictions. They don't exist this year. They're not part of the CBA. This committee is part of the CBA to get those in place. There's also like a 45-day like warning, hey, we're putting this into place. Um, and everybody's like, how's that going? This is right in the middle of the season? No, they will all be at the beginning of the season. But if they if they try to make a change in the offseason, they'll be able to have enough time to put it in place. Mm-hmm. Rather than, hey, this offseason, we've, we've said that we're going to move to this. It'll be in place next year. No. When they decide in the offseason, it'll be in place that year. So long as it's 45 days before opening day, I think. So anyway, minimum salaries. MLB minimum salary is now 700000 in 22. It goes to 720, 740, 760, during the CBA. The minor league uh, minimum salary for players signing a second major league contract or with prior major league service. Did you guys follow that? Will increase. From ninety three thousand in twenty one to one hundred and fourteen point one in twenty two, and then it goes up, blah blah blah, to one twenty seven point one. Um, basically, this is like a guy who has major league experience who signed a major league contract before, and he's just signed a minor league deal with you. His minimum salary is going to be increased by oh twenty thousand. That's a good thing, you know what I mean? Yeah. That that's yeah. not that's not the guys who haven't. Those guys are still making like eighteen thousand a year. If you're just in AAA, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but to me, this is what this whole thing was about: getting younger players paid better. And I think this is a fair increase. There's more to it in this next section we're going to talk about that actually make it a little uh, better. But I think this is fair. Um, you're never going to get everything you want in one CBA. It's going to take steps to get there. I think this is a good start. Um, you you like the 700k? Does this sound good to you? The in the 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 increases the the way they are, yeah, yeah. I think I mean, it's I'm good. good with it. I, I think it could have even gone higher, and and it will continue to go higher in the next one. But <clears throat> yeah, and that's I'm, the thing. I'm totally fine with seven hundred. Yeah, I actually wanted it to land higher than this, but like I said, you have to take steps that way. But also, um, I just think with, uh, I just think with this next thing, it's gonna make it a little bit better. Uh, and let's get into that because, dude, we are, we're not going as fast as I thought we were going to. Pre-arbitration performance bonus program. Brand spanking new. $50 million bonus pool annually and will be funded centrally. The first uh, distributed or first distributed each year among eligible players who are in the top five in MVP and Cy Young and top two in Rookie of the Year and first and second team all MLB with up to 2.5 million for MVP and Cy Young winners. You can only dip into one of these, whichever is the highest. I don't have the actual breakdowns. Any remaining bonus pool amounts will be allocated 
to among the top 100 eligible players according to, Jake, a statistical formula modeled after war to be developed by a joint committee comprised of representatives from the Commissioner's Office and the Players Association. So it's not war, but they're going to develop right. another statistic to base this on. Whoa. It's kind of interesting. Um, hopefully this continues to improve uh, as we learn about the effects of this. But this enables players who perform well to be paid better. What this does is takes that minimum salary, say 700, and like your guy that is like, yeah, he made the minimum salary. He was okay. He was on our roster. It separates him from the guy who's like, yeah, he was awesome, and he's only getting paid this amount of money, right? He's earned this by being uh, considered for these awards. He's earned more money. I think that's cool. And I think that's a good way to say, like, hey, the young players are the ones that are playing well. Well, the ones who are playing well are going to get paid better. Yeah, I just I'm just not crazy about the way they. I don't know. We'll see the formula. I'm not worried about the formula. The point is, is they're going to say these guys performed better than the guys who didn't. So I think whatever formula you come up with is going to be right. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Even if it is war, it doesn't matter because you know that means they were better than the guy who has a lower number there. Already you know they were better. And the yeah. good thing is is it's not based on how many home runs you hit, but a formula that comprises all aspects of the game. That's the, that's the thing that's important. That's mm-hmm. why I agree with it that way. And everybody's playing under the same rules. Yeah. The formula is the same formula for everybody. So right. the big thing is, is most of that money goes to those guys who are eligible which eligible just means like you're not arbitration right you're you're pre-arbitration mm-hmm. um okay so let, let's keep going prospect promotion incentives yeah that's the wording they used ppi ppi draft selections will be available to clubs that place top prospects on opening day rosters if a club promotes an eligible prospect to the major league roster the player uh, receives a full year of service in that season Oh, and the player receives a full year of service in that season and the players the player goes on to garner sufficient award consideration in any season prior to qualifying for arbitration while under reserve to the same club then that play, whoa then that player's club will receive a PPI selection in one or both the first year player draft and or international draft if if implemented more on that later. So basically, if you put a prospect on your opening day roster, then while he's on your team and pre-arbitration, if he garners what they're calling sufficient award consideration in any of those years, not just the first year, but in any of those years that he's pre-arbitration, which is probably the first two considering he'll be super two eligible. <laughs> so really in his first two seasons then you get a draft pick for that. So does that incentivize you to go ahead and put a guy on your opening day roster, considering the fact that he's got the best chance to get award consideration if he starts on day one, than he would if you bring him up in June to avoid Super 2, then you maybe get another draft pick. Uh, in addition, Welcome to the Berg Cruise. In addition, any eligible prospect who finished top two in Rookie of the Year voting will be credited with a full year of Major League service, irrespective of how many days service he otherwise would have received. Okay, we talked about this on Friday's uh, 
uh, Pirates Fan Forum with Gary and Jim. It seemed confusing the way it reads after looking into it a little bit more. It seems to guarantee that a player receives his first year of service if he finishes top two. Um, however, on Friday, if, if any of you listened, I made a comment about Wander Franco being the late call-up and only earning uh, like .104 years of service um, and would have been awarded a full year, but he actually finished third in the voting, so he actually wouldn't have earned that full year because he finished <laughs> third, not second. I thought he finished second, but he didn't. Um, as a matter of fact, National League Jonathan India won Rookie of the Year and earned a full year of service because he was there all the way. Trevor Rogers was the runner-up, and he has over a year currently. Um, American League was Randy Rosarena. He's got over a year. Uh, runner-up was Astros pitcher Luis Garcia. He has over a year of service right now. So this wouldn't have come into effect in 2021, oddly enough. Franco was the only player in the top five voting to be under a year in either league. So basically the top 10, he's the only player that this would have affected if he would have missed... In 2020, the NL runner-up was Alec, how do you say his name, Bohm or Baum? Baum. Baum. That's perfect. Um, he was the runner-up. He currently has 1.106 years of service. He played in 44 games in 20, 115 and 21. I couldn't find officially how much service time he earned in 2020, but it's possible he would have been eligible to gain that full year of service in 2020. So basically, this probably isn't going to happen that much. Right. Because if you're if you're called up late, you're probably not going to be in the running. Right. So, O'Neill Cruz. Jim, this is the part you wanted to hear. <laughs> <laughs> These two things com- combined make Cruz very interesting. If you want if you wait to bring him up in June and try to keep him from earning that full year and possibly avoiding super 2, if he goes on a home run rampage and gets runner up for rookie of the year or rookie of the year, you can kiss it goodbye. He'll have that full year of service. Now, I would, he wouldn't be a super two guy necessarily, but you'd be, but he'd be getting to arbitration in the year that he would be avoiding. So basically, no, it'd be the same calendar year, and you'd lose a, another year of control instead of four years of arbitration. You'd still be three, but he'd be, he'd be at ga- he'd be a year ahead. So you right. would lose a year of control. With that said. If you put him on your opening day roster and he comes through on garnering sufficient award consideration in 22, 23, or 24, so this year or the next two years, the Pirates get a draft pick out of it. All he has to do is garner uh, sufficient award consideration. We don't know what the heck that means. But then you get an extra draft pick. Now, draft picks are nice, but are they enough to take that risk? We might talk about this again later, draft picks. So do you want to share what your thought process is on that right now or later? <laughs> <clears throat> well, I, you know, in my opinion, draft picks mean very little in baseball. Um, you just don't know when, what were we talking about? Ken Griffey Jr. is the first, first number one number overall one draft pick to make the Hall of Fame. Yeah. So there's no guarantees in baseball. The draft is nothing like what it is in football or like or it is in the NBA. Or hockey. Yep. Yeah, I mean, those guys come in and they make an impact right away. Yep. You you draft a guy in baseball, he might not even be in your organization by the time he breaks into the league. You might trade him. You might do. There's just yeah, Mike Trout. Mike Trout wasn't a wasn't a top pick. No, I mean first round, but yeah, you know what I mean. I mean, like, right. 
it, it's, it's just hard. It, it's just hard because there's, there's a lot that can happen in baseball. So if it, he, it, yeah. So if, uh, the condition obviously is if he comes into spring training and he's absolutely raking and you saw off the bat in those last two games, I know it's the last two games, but you saw off the bat that it was there. Mm-hmm. If he comes in raking, which he hasn't done in spring training before, so that would be a sign. Is it worth it to just say, you know what? We got a DH now. We can still ease him into shortstop. We have a DH. We can let him DH for a while and ease him into shortstop. Let him play shortstop, you know, twice a week. If if defense yeah. is the problem. If he shows he can hit, is it worth it? Absolutely. As a fan, I mean, as a fan, 100%. But you got to be careful of saying like, yeah, but if I could have him for another year, if I can guarantee another year, how important is that other year to the Pirates? What is what is your window, right? We've said we start important. making, your window might be 24, 25, 26. If he starts this year, well, that puts him still on the team in 26. Mm-hmm. So how important is that extra year? I'm kind of saying like, Maybe keeping him for an extra year after that might only ensure better trade bait. And I hate to say it that way, but seriously, 22, 23, 24, 25, 26, 27. I'm pretty sure that our window's closing at 27 anyway. If things stay the same as they are right now, you only get a window for three to four years. <laughs> that, if, if, if you're not, if let's you're not, not get in, right. let's, yeah. let's not get into that discussion, right? That's the right. way it's been. Let's not go there. But those sort of things makes me think if he's raking in spring training, man, I'm kind of there to say maybe you do get another draft pick out of it. And I don't know. I don't know. That's my thought. That it's no, I'm mean, not convinced. It's always nice to have an extra draft pick. If he but comes it, out, it doesn't mean that that draft pick is going to pan out. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Um, yeah. And, and we're going to, like I said, we're going to get into that. My, I am going to have to start flying through this dude. Hot topic with CBT. They came up with two thirty. It goes to two thirty three, two thirty seven, two forty one, two forty four. 244 tax rates are unchanged, blah, blah, blah. A new surcharge threshold has been added at 60 million above the threshold. Nobody will get there. Maybe the Mets of like 80, 90, 110%. Who cares? It'll never happen that many years in a row. The draft pick is still tied to clubs who exceed the second surcharge threshold. Their highest selection basically is moved back 10 places, um, except uh, if, if you're in a top six, their second highest would move, whatever. 50% of CBT proceeds will still be distributed to players' retirement accounts, and 50% will be distributed under a new supplemental discretionary fund with contributions made to payee clubs under the revenue-sharing plan, the commissioner's discretion based on criteria, including growing their non-media local revenue over a multi-year period. What? All right, to me, this is the part that I'm torn on. Um, dude, I, I tell you what, because we're short on time, I don't even think this is important to get into. It's creating a little bit of more payroll disparity. Other than that, I don't care. It, those teams are just going to spend that money. What are they going to add, one player? I don't care. This is fine for me. Uh, the problem is they didn't do anything at the bottom end, so it really doesn't change anything. It's not going to mean that more players... Just because the Phillies may have an extra 10 million to spend doesn't mean the pirates are going to spend 10 million extra. I mean, it's just kind of, I don't really know it. it, For me, it makes no difference. It does allow those top 5% to maybe get 
it's still the same team's interest. Freddie Freeman didn't talk to anybody new because they had an extra little bit of money. He talked to right. the same exact teams he would have talked to prior to that. And if he wasn't playing for the Braves, then maybe the Braves wouldn't even have been one of those teams. <laughs> but anyway, here we go. International Amateur Talent Acquisition. They have until July 25th to make a decision on the international draft, basically is what this is. If they implement the international draft beginning in 24, the direct draft pick compensation will be eliminated beginning the 22-23 offseason. This for for feature of drafts, <laughs> selections, pool space by the clubs that sign a qualified free agent. If they do not agree to implement the international draft, the remaining international signing periods would operate normally and the draft pick comp would still remain in effect. There's a table out there showing what those penalties are. If there's no agreement, let's talk about this more in July. Basically, if they, if they do the international draft, then the qualifying offer stuff is gone. If they don't do the international draft, the qualifying offer stuff stays. First year player draft, we're moving on. Beginning with the 23 draft, the draft order will be changed a little bit. The first six selections will be in a draft lottery. All clubs that did not qualify for the postseason in the preceding season will be eligible for the lottery with odds assigned in reverse order of winning percentage. This gets really confusing because of the odds that they've put into this, uh, but I'm not getting into this. Basically, it's a lottery. The, 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 top, the bottom six teams in the league, you draw names out of a hat, that's the order they pick in. That's the really mm-hmm. dumbed-down version of it. Um, the point of this was to tackle the alleged problem of tanking. If you were tuned in to the Pirates Fan Forum this week, this week uh, we spoke a lot about tanking for a little bit anyway. Uh, I gave my, tank, uh, my, tank on taking, my take on tanking on that podcast, so I want to give you the floor here, and I encourage everybody else, go there. Uh, I may you know, say a little bit, but basically it's about lowering expenses, while not lowering revenue that much for me, that's tanking. But your take on this and whether or not this accomplishes what it was proposed to accomplish. And then just where you are in general. I don't think it accomplishes anything as far as tanking, because like I've mentioned a little bit earlier, the draft is what it is. I don't think your one through six picks are as important as, as they think they are. They, They put a lot of emphasis on these draft. Yeah. The draft is not, it's just not what it is in other sports. If you're tanking in the NFL, you're going for that one overall. Yeah, you're going after that running back or that quarterback or, you know, that player that you really need. Imagine to, you you know, when when Joe Burrow was drafted, whoever had that number one pick was going to change their franchise. Yeah. It appears. Yeah. (laughs) But, yeah. Uh, the draft is also 20 rounds. By the way, I didn't want to just say, yeah, I agree with you. Uh, and that, that to me is uh, go back and listen to the Pirates fan forum because literally we're close to time and we're not even close to done. So um, go back and listen to that to, to hear my take on the expense portion of what tanking really is and how this doesn't touch it. Uh, revenue sharing plan will remain... Uh, I'm not going any further than that. Pension benefits increased, improved medical and dental benefits too. That's cool. We're player guys uh, for the most part, I guess. Uh, So those are cool things. International play, domestic special events. There's some kind of games or tours they're going to do in Mexico, Asia, Puerto Rico, Dominican Republic, London, and Paris over the next five years. It's effort to grow the game. And they're going to do more of the special events like the Little League Classic, the Field of Dreams. Cool? Cool. I'm there. 
I the think thing, I, the only thing I hope is that these tours they're doing is off season stuff. I don't want it to mess with the season. Don't play regular season games somewhere else. I don't, I hate that the NFL does it. I can't stand it. If you want to do a tour like they did back when like Babe Ruth and that they did it in the off season. Okay. They traveled in the off season and they did stuff in the off season. Do it then. Okay. Do it. Take an all-star team. I don't care. Gotcha. Don't mess with the regular season. Okay. Well, uh, we'll see what that looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, they've done like the, the games in Australia and stuff. So it's, it's possible that it could be something like that where those were regular season games, but mm-hmm. it is possible that, that some things like that happen. Um, drug testing, basically they're going to do more drug testing and they're going to make them less predictable and they're going to use a new technology, the first sport to adapt this new technology where they don't have to stick a needle in you and suck it out. They can use dried blood spot testing. I don't know, man. Um, basically they're going to do more testing. They're also going to offer, they do like some alcohol and off-field violent conduct uh, treatment programs. They're going to add marijuana-related treatment programs as well to that. So if you're abusing marijuana or conduct, uh, certain conduct around it, I don't really know. I swear we're almost done with the rules. Um, We're probably going to go long tonight because we want to get to the next thing too. Uh, What else is new? Major League Rules and Transactions. Players may only be optioned to the minor leagues five times in a single season before it will require outright assignment waivers to assign the player to the minor leagues. Agreed to provide three opt-out dates for free agents that sign minor league contracts. And the commissioner's office now has the flexibility to set the Major League trade deadline on a date between July 28th and August 3rd. I have no idea what they're doing there and why that's even a thing. Waiver priority will be amended to provide that if a club has already previously claimed a player on outright waivers in a given year, the club's claiming priority will be moved to last. Essentially, if a team's already claimed a player on waivers that season, it can't claim him again until every other team has passed. Last year, there was a player who went back and forth from Seattle to Milwaukee, and I guess it was like three or four times. They just kept going back and forth. So they're saying, dude, let's not do that. Which that's a big thing mm-hmm. for players. I mean, not like for his chance to make it, but like that had to be awful to go back yeah. and forth from Seattle to Milwaukee in in the tri- in AAA, right? At that, um, starting twenty twenty two, salary arbitration eligible players who settle with their club on a salary for the season without going to an arbitration hearing will be eligible to receive a full season termination pay, even if released prior to the start of the season. Okay, we're done. <laughs> The other changes you've heard, like pitch clock, big bases, shift restrictions that we talked earlier, they'll be decided for 23 and further. Also for 23, balance schedule. I tell you what, we were going to talk about this because we think it's cool. We're not going to talk about it. we got to keep moving. Um, basically, we're going to play everybody. No longer will yeah. we be playing some teams in the American League. We're going to play everyone, which also means less, not 19 games against our division, but 14, and then so on. There's other things that we're not going to get into. Um those other things like robo-umps and the step-off rule and all those other things, those are not decided. They will That committee will then decide further. So those kind of rules and stuff we can talk about later. Um, as far as this year, there is one more thing that leads us into our next segment that we do want to talk about, even though we're, like I said, pushing that hour limit. Um, it, no, everybody knows we go over. Um, the Rule 5 draft is canceled for this season. Not forever, for this season. There is no Rule 5 draft. Uh, We're going to talk about a few guys that were left available in the Rule 5 draft after the break. Let's take a break and get into actual baseball talk. Please, guys, stick around. We're going to talk about non-roster invites 
and what in the heck the Pirates are going to do at the catcher position. We'll be right back. Thank you for listening to the Bridge to Bucktober podcast. Follow these guys on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Bridge the Number Two Bucktober. Audio podcasts available on your favorite podcast platform. Video podcasts available on YouTube. Follow, like, subscribe, and join the discussion. They'll be right back. All right, we're back, and we know the time is ticking. So we're going to try to move as, as quickly as possible here. But we did say actual baseball and roster talk, which is important to us and exciting for us to talk about baseball and actual roster things. Uh, we've been dying to get into this with, this week. Rule 5 draft being canceled answers one of the questions we had during the lockout on how this will affect players that we did not protect, like Mason Martin, Cal Mitchell, Tanaj Thomas, and all those guys. Um, but another one of those questions has been answered in the form of non-roster invitees. Uh, let's break down the guys that kind of stick out to us. We're not going to go over the whole list here, uh, especially because of time. But Jake, pitching-wise, who, who are you looking for here? Who's who's the guys that when they get in the game, maybe you guys are watching the spring training game, who should they say like, oh, I want to I wanna not go get a drink when this guy's pitching? Sure. Uh, Carmen Majinski sticks out. Majinski sticks out to me just because all the hype that's been coming. I just I just want to see him pitch. Um, I didn't get to watch much of the of – you know, see him pitch at all last year. Yeah. So, uh, Cody Bolton's one. I, I, th- I think he's one of the ones we we could have lost to the, in the roll five if somebody wanted to. Yeah, um, some injuries, but a other than guys that, like that. Yeah. yeah, with those injuries uh, that he's had, you know, it, it leads you to believe he wasn't going to be taken from us, but right. could be. You know what I mean? Could be yeah. interesting. Yeah, for me, uh, Quinn Priester, obviously, just because of the, the same thing. That's the hype, top top prospect yeah. kind of thing. Also, Kyle Nicholas is one of the guys we got in the Stallings trade. So with him and then guys that are on the 40-man roster, like the other guy, Zach Thompson, that we got in that trade, those are kind of ones that like, oh, I want to see Kyle Nicholas throw and see what we got because I haven't seen him yet. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I think pitching-wise, there's a bunch of guys on that list, but those are kind of the ones that stick out for me too. Um, also... Just to say real quick, Nick Gonzalez, Mason Martin, Matt Frazier, Cal Mitchell, these are guys that we really want to see too. Um, Mason Martin, Cal Mitchell, guys that could have been taken, and now we get another year to kind of decide whether or not we need to add them to the 40-man roster. Um, And obviously Mason Martin is a polarizing guy because of the power, and then whether or not he's going to be able to figure it out and if these inclusion goggles he's been using is working and things like that. And then Nick Gonzalez in general, you just want to see him rake, and that's cool. And Matt Frazier was a huge boost. So those are guys we want to see. But the real talk here is there's only one catcher on our 40-man roster, and this is your opportunity to see who in the heck is going to be our backup catcher for the year. The The catchers that they've invited is Carter Bins, who we got in the uh, Tyler Anderson trade from, from uh, Seattle. Henry Davis is invited. He's not an option here, uh, but he is really exciting. Taylor Davis, we released last year. We just re-signed him um, to a minor league deal. We talked about it earlier. He's there with the possibility. Michael Perez, who was our backup catcher last year. Jamie Ritchie, who is, um, I forget where he played last year. I knew that. I already forgot. I didn't write it down. Um, but uh, maybe, I think Arizona he was with last year in AAA. But he's like a 28-year-old catcher. So there's a possibility there that if he plays well, I mean, dude, if we pick from this list, we're going to get into this, but we pick. And then the other one is Andy Rodriguez, who 
Um, has never played above high A, so he's not obviously an option either. But also another really great guy to watch, like Henry Davis, but not an option. So the three we're looking at, if we get him internally, is between Taylor Davis, Michael Perez, Jamie Ritchie, with a outside chance of Carter Benz, who's only played like 27 games in double A, so probably not either. Um, but he's old enough. So if he's, you know what I mean, he's, I just don't think you do that. If you want him to be good, you, you play him so he can play every day. Right. So I'm going to start off with Michael Perez because there was a little bit of Twitter today where I was like, uh, hey, Michael Perez is at least good defensively, right? Like, at least there's some value there. And I was challenged on that, and I dug into it a little bit more. And, you know, hey, actually, he wasn't that good defensively. Sure, he didn't let pass <laughs> balls go, but it does seem that there are some some ERA differences. Uh, Gary Morgan actually pointed out to me that, that Mitch Keller's numbers when Perez was catching was a lot worse than the ones when Stallings was catching. Which is kind of like, oh, so the inconsistent Keller, did that play into it at all? I don't know. Could have. I don't know. But let me just say about the offensive numbers of Michael Perez. Because we're let's talk about under the Mendoza line. Yeah. Under the Mendoza line is under 200 as a batting average. And I'm going to give you a list of the opportunities, the splits, where he was under a 200 batting average. Ready? I'm going to go through this. I know I know the time, but this is impressive that he was under 200 against righties and lefties. He was under 200 away and home in the first half and in the second half of the season. July was the only month he wasn't under, and he hit exactly 200. He hit under 200 in wins and in losses, with runners in scoring position, with, with men on, with no runners on, two outs, and with runners in scoring position, he was 0 for 20. <laughs> In high leverage, medium leverage, and low leverage situations, all under 200. In all nine innings, in, against starting pitchers and against relief pitchers, on day games and at night games. Open, closed, roof, doesn't matter. All I can say is he was 3 for 11 with one home run in pinch hit situations. Good for a 273 batting average. And by the way, I called that home run. <laughs> I was at the game June 8th. Against the Dodgers, Reynolds started the ninth with a home run. He, uh, Nate Jones strikes out Moran, strikes out Stallings. Perez came in to pinch hit for the pitcher. And I remember saying to my buddy, he was down 2-1 in the count. And I said, throw fastballs down the middle. He's probably going to get out. The worst thing that can happen is he hits a solo home run. You bring in Kenley Jansen. You still have a, a what, two or three game lead or three run lead. And he throws the sinker. The exact same pitch he threw to Reynolds. Sinker, low, because sinkers are always almost always low, down, right down the middle, and he hit a home run on it. <laughs> it was a gift <laughs> pitch. He said, here, here's this. The guy doesn't throw very many, like, four seams, right? He throws mostly mm -hmm. sinkers. He didn't throw that pitch at that location to Moran or Stallings. He probably missed his spot to Reynolds and just said, you know what? I'm going to make this guy swing the bat because I'm probably going to get out of the game. So he gets a gift pitch, hits one home run. If it wasn't for that at bat, he hits exactly 200 in pinch hit situations, which makes it no but. And then Jansen came in and K's Evans on three pitches. That's what I said. I was like, yeah, because you can just get the next guy. He's no good either. <laughs> <laughs> Moral of the story is yeah. the one moment that changed hit any number over 200, basically, was a gimme pitch. Michael Perez is not a good option. Is he still the best no. option of this list, though? I mean, I don't want to see Taylor know. Davis. I, I, I don't want to see Taylor Davis. Why? 
Why? Which is because he takes pictures. I know what you're thinking right now. Just because no, he goes like this. It's not. No, that absolutely not. That's just. I don't want to see Michael Perez again. Is Taylor Davis going to do worse? Is Michael Perez going to be that bad again? I mean, defensively, I really thought he was better, but not just last year. He he's. I thought he was a defensive first catcher. I've basically just been wrong on it. He's not. Yeah, I just I, I just don't want to. I'm, I'm not. Over, I'm never it. I. Yeah. He was literally bad enough to where it's a, it's a bad taste in your mouth. You don't even want to see him in a Pirates uniform. Especially wearing a number five. That's my number. Like, I don't care what. <laughs> Henry Davis is a better option just for the fact. Taylor Davis. That it's Taylor not. Davis. Taylor Davis is a better option just because it's not Michael Perez. Oh, yeah. Uh, I might be there That's with you now. That's where I'm at. I d- like it's I said, not- I dug into this today. Gary, I know that, well, I assume maybe you're listening. Maybe you gave up on us eight minutes ago when we started this talk. But I dug into it, and I'm I, literally earlier today, I was like, it's going to be Michael Perez, and it's okay. I'm not sure it's okay, but I'm here saying I don't want to see it to be Taylor Davis either. I think they, and or Jamie Ritchie, I don't know anything about him, but I don't want to see it. Dude, they need to go out. Somebody's going to find themselves on waivers, and they're going to claim them because this is desperation. There are, there are no free agents, guys. Don't even look at them. None of them are worth it. They're Michael Perez. Honestly, that's all they're worth because at least Michael Perez will be cheaper than they will be. The biggest thing that I'm worried about is whether or not Roberto Perez stays healthy because if he yeah. doesn't, you don't need a backup now. You need somebody who can start and none of those guys in the free agent market are there. I don't know if there's anybody available in trades that you can try to trade, but then you're saying, like, what do you want to do? Do you want to give up a major league? I mean, at this point, I'm at this point, let's talk perfect world. Kevin Newman gets traded for a new catcher. O'Neill Cruz, you get shortstop with a little help from your pals. I mean, I don't know what you're going to do. Catching to me is this is a huge hole because you're worried about, I'm not worried about Roberto Perez when he's on the field. I know that there's talk about his average, but at least he's going to hit for more pop than Stallings did. And I don't want to hear about last year's numbers because he was hurt and it did affect his power. I mean, he had a year where he hit over 20 homers. I think Jacob Stallings maybe hit the most home runs he'll ever hit last year, but I could be wrong about that. I thought he was kind of electric as far as what I've seen, Um, but maybe not. Maybe he continues to get better. It's it's odd. He's such a late bloomer. But Roberto Perez has at least shown power. And as far as handling a staff, Roberto Perez is second in all those categories. Understandably so. He's second to Jacob Stallings in the last three years and in, in like the defensive run saved and stuff like that. But he's still second, right? <laughs> so if we're not going to yeah. have Stallings, he's the next best option as far as defensive catchers go. But he's got to stay healthy, and that's, I think, a big problem with him right now. You're typing some things. I know your 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 brain's moving. Do you have Do you have something on this catching thing? Are you worried? I, I mean, are I you worried about these guys on the list right now? Yeah, I mean, you have to be. Oh my gosh! I this is the this. I know there's a lot of talk. Oh, we need pitching. I'm actually okay with our starting pitching. Only because I want to see these guys pitch, and there's a lot of them. And I know that we're not going to win more than 70 games, or, you know, we're around 70, oh, a 70 win team right now. 
I don't care about going out and, and getting another starter to make sure we get to 70. To me, that yeah. sounds ridiculous. Unfortunately, if you do get a starter like that, it's probably via free agency. There's no free agent catchers out there. Right. So I just, I, I just don't know where you go from here. I think that we went into last year and I told you catching was our worst position. And Jacob Stallings came out of no, to, from me, nowhere. But he came out of the woodwork to, to have a successful season, even at the plate. Um, defensively, we knew he was good. We also knew he was a great guy. We knew he was great in the clubhouse and, and all that stuff. Uh, I did not expect the offensive production we got from Jacob Stallings, to which I really thought catching was a problem last year. Boy, if catching was a problem last year, it's even more so this year. I know we have yeah. Jacob Stallings, like a, a Jacob Stallings comp out of Roberto Perez, but Jacob Stallings plays a lot of games and doesn't get hurt. I've said the full name Jacob Stallings a lot in the last 30 seconds. <laughs> but Roberto Perez, you have to worry about the injuries. Yeah. I'm not worried about him handling a staff. He handled Cy Young winners in Cleveland. Like, he's got yeah. that part down. I'm right. not worried about that. He actually has more credibility handling a staff than Stallings does because Stallings hasn't had those types of pitches or pitchers pitching to him yet. Uh, right. I think that he could still garner that type of uh, uh, reputation. But Roberto Perez already has it. He's already caught great pitching. Uh, and they love, and they've been vocal about loving pitching to him. When Jan Gomes was the offensive guy there, which is why he hasn't played a lot of full seasons, because they've had an offensive catcher there who all their aces were like, no, 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 no. I want to throw to Perez. We yeah. can handle him today in the lineup. You know what I mean? Uh, mm -hmm. So, anyway, I'm not worried about Roberto Perez going into the season. I'm worried about whoever is backing him up and whoever has to play if he gets injured. Yeah. And right now, it's bad. I, I've, I've even said... Even when I thought Perez was better than I think he is at this minute, I still think as a backup catcher, I'm okay with a player like that. But yeah. boy, if he goes down, I'm not okay. I I want him to bring somebody up and keep him at backup. You know what I mean? Yeah. But even right now, I I just don't know. I'm I'm discouraged now, of even more so than I was. I kind of thought it was like you know what we're not going to be a great team again this year. It's going to be Michael Perez. It's going to be whatever. It's going to be fine. But at this point I I'm with you, man. I'm man. I'm just so out on it. Unfortunately, if he gets, if he gets hurt, Roberto Perez, you if, yeah, if he gets hurt, you start to wonder if Henry Davis isn't ready. Oh shoot. I, I that is never, that's not going to happen. They will stink before they let that happen. There's no need to do it. You know what I mean? If we were winning, yeah, but I just, I do not see, just because of an injury, I do not see, like, taking a chance on messing with service time. Yeah. Messing with him. I mean, we know, in my opinion, I'm convinced Cole Tucker was ruined by being called up too early because of an injury. When yeah. Eric Gonzalez and Starling Marte went down and they had to bring up Reynolds and Cole Tucker, Reynolds showed he was ready. Cole yeah. Tucker showed he was not. He needed more time. And I think that his production is because he had to come up too early. And I think that it stumped everything for him. And it's going to take yeah. something crazy for Cole Tucker to actually have a successful career. I still think the talent's there, but his development has been such, like... Uh, I have a feeling it, I have a feeling he's going to come down to a change of scenery. Yeah, it's going to be a different team. It's not going to be here. Mm -hmm. I agree with that. And it's going to be a different role. He's not going to be a starting shortstop. Uh, you know what I mean? 
deep into his career, he's it's going to be something different. I I'm I'm with you there. I think that maybe he can still have a few good years. You know what I mean? And and become a, he could, but yeah. I think that his chances in Pittsburgh were ruined by the fact that he was called up too early. His numbers yeah. weren't good to that point. Don't don't get me wrong though. Like I'm not. I wasn't abdicating for. Henry Davis to get called up in a situation like that. Yeah. It's just nervous to think about because we did it with a cold with Cole Tucker. Yeah. And, and really we don't have any options. So I think at this point just, you'd see, yeah, you'd see Taylor Davis. You'd see Jamie Ritchie. You'd probably even see Carter Benz, you know, before you. So I don't think that you have to be worried about that. Yeah. However, we did talk about Friday about how the, how you like to get them prospects into majors. I do. And I you know do. what? And you know what? I brought up Jonathan India. And, and we haven't even talked about that much. He just won Rookie of the Year, and he never played in AAA, and he only played in like 30 games in AA. And he played a full season last year and won Rookie of the Year, showing that hitters sometimes, and he's a third baseman who played second base all year too. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. He played like five games at second base in the minor leagues. That's it. And I think those were all at the Arizona Fall League. Never played second in the minor leagues. And he just said, Hey, if I can get on a major league roster, I'll play second base. Mm -hmm. But anyway, um, yeah, that's why I think O'Neill Cruz could still come up and hit. If the hit tool's already there, man, just let him play. Yeah. I just, because I think window wise, you're not going to mess with it. He's already what? 24 years old. So we bring him up, we bring him up. He starts hitting, he's hitting well. He plays shortstop every once in a while. All that stuff. Roberto Perez goes down with an injury. Now you just get a package together to go trade for a catcher. You send Newman, you send Tucker, and you send somebody else. Yeah. I To get a catcher that's maybe somebody's backup that's still better than our backup. Yeah. It, it's hard to tell who's available and, and who's not. I, my guess is you'd find a AAA guy somewhere. and I just don't think they're going to be motivated. And I've, and I've brought this up. I don't think they're going to be motivated to spend money or to or to spend uh, value to go get a, a a backup catcher. I think it's going to be one of these two guys or three guys if you consider Jamie Ritchie an option. I honestly do. Yeah, no, I'm just I'm I'm just saying if if Perez gets hurt and yeah. we're ready oh, to yeah, move yeah, yeah. forward with O'Neill Cruz as our shortstop, you kind of got to clear out. I understand some that space. That's a fair point. And okay, so we're going to clear out some space, take care of this catching need that we have till Perez is able to play again. Yeah. You have some pieces that you'll be able to move at that point. Yeah. I, I got it without hurting you, what you got going on. Yeah. I got to say guys, um, uh, you know, obviously, you know, timing's kind of a thing and we really enjoy talking baseball, but spring training games start this week. We're going to get an opportunity to start talking about what we're seeing in those games, which is super exciting. Um, we're also going to get an opportunity, like there's going to be more transactions. I know there's not much going on for the Pirates, and there probably won't be. Um, but some of this stuff is is going to show up, and we're going to get to to break all this stuff down. I'm really looking forward to it. I know that this year doesn't look like a great year, and I know that like this podcast is super positive, and we like to stay super positive. And I know that we just talked about how abysmal uh, <laughs> and how terrible this catching position is going to be. And I don't like to be like Debbie Downer um, about it, uh, but we just went through the whole CBA thing too. Not much has changed for the Pirates. 
it's not really going to make that much of an impact on the way that we operate, the way that we do business. There's no floor. There's no more incentives coming our way or uh, kickbacks coming our way. There's nothing there as far as like making the pirates a, an, on an, on an equal playing field with these other guys. Uh, so if that's discouraging to you, like, I'm sorry, but the positivity in me says there is still a clear cut way that you can make this happen in baseball, and yes, it has to do with rebuilds and windows and things like that. Someday that might change. Uh, but until then, I'm still a Buckos fan. I'm still a baseball fan. I'm still here for the ride. I'm not like, it's just not worth it to me to get hung up on things a lot of times when I'm really just saying, hey, this is what's been served up to you on a plate. You can choose to eat it and enjoy it. Or you can choose to walk away from it. That's your choice. I'm here to eat. I'm here at the table to eat, man. So uh, you know, I'm all about. Uh, I'm all about just enjoying it, enjoying what it is. I'm so excited the baseball's back. I don't care that I predict the Pirates to win 70 games. I don't care about that. I care about the fact that we get to see Pirates baseball again and baseball again. And and I know that you've even made a case for the college game. It's just not the same, dude. It's not. It's it's definitely yeah. not the same. It's not the same. It's been it's been it's been nice. It's been a yeah. You know, been able to fill a void. Yep, but but we got to we get to see we get to see the baseball like the the professional baseball players go at it starting on Friday. I mean, at least for a couple innings. We'll probably see a lot of young guys early. We'll see more than than what was invited to spring training too. Yeah, there's other guys going to be playing in those games. Do, you know, that's always I do the way it goes. Throw the, I do want to throw this one thing out about the college real quick. It was really fun yesterday. Was it yesterday or the day before? It doesn't matter. I turned on the Ohio State WVU game. Yeah. And I got to see a kid that I used to coach pitch mm. in the game. It Not only fun. that, it but was... who was calling the game for WVU? Landon for Terry. How cool is that? <laughs> uh, our other brother, yeah. JP, he brought it up to me. He was like, dude, I kind of got some chills get hearing – Lanny Frateri, a guy we grew up listening to, mm-hmm. say a kid that he knew well and say his name is up to bat. You know what I mean? So he just thought that yeah. was, or uh, pitching rather. Pitching. He yeah. thought that was cool. And I'm like, yeah, I didn't think of that element of it. I, I, I wasn't watching, but. <laughs> yeah, he, he come in, he come into the game. I was like, oh, dude, this dude won a state championship for our high school team. Like, didn't throw a bullpen that whole year, all that good stuff comes in. They're like best guy out of the bullpen right now. I was like, dude, this is cool. Three straight pitches, nasty slider on the outside corner to get this strikeout looking. It was cool. Name drop. It was cool. Nate Carafa. Yeah, you got a name drop. You're gonna tell a story. Yeah, you got a name right. drop, man. Nate Carafa, man. I mean, he's just he's doing really well. He's kind of laid down the uh the bat. He's turned into a pitcher only, but uh, I he's good. He's throwing mid nineties with a good slider. All right, so uh, you got any closing on all this stuff? Luckily, guys, this is the last time we really have to talk CBA. We can just talk baseball. Yeah, that's it. That's let's, let's, that that that's it for me. Let's just we're done with CBA talk from here on out. We're talking baseball. Baseball's back. Yeah, life is good. <laughs> let's go. Yeah, I, we suffered happy through St. Patrick's Day. Happy St. Patrick's Day. Top of the morning to you, laddies. Uh, dude. Yeah. I'm excited. Um, I'm excited about baseball and I hope Mm -hmm. that if you guys are stopping over here and this is the first time you watch us that you stuck around with us all the way through here. Um, 
But if not, you know, hopefully you, you got a little, or well, if, if not, you're not listening. So for those of you who did, uh, <laughs> uh, I appreciate it. I appreciate everyone who continues to listen, who continues to watch on YouTube. Um, a couple weeks ago or last week, a couple weeks ago was, was a full year. Um, it's been a lot of fun doing this and we're really looking forward to this year. Um, be that as it may, be that as it may, not a great season maybe ahead of us, but we're going to see some growth and we're going to be excited about it. We'll bring it to you. So stick with us, keep watching, keep listening. We really appreciate it. Let us know you were here. Talk to us, uh, Twitter, all the stuff. Actually, let's let Keely tell them where they can find us and everything. Let's wrap this thing up. All right. All right, let's go Bucks. Let's go Bucks. My dad and Uncle Jake on the Bridge to Bucktober podcast. Follow them on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Bridge the Number Two Bucktober. Don't forget to subscribe so you know when new episodes are released. Clear the deck, cannonball coming, and let's go, Bucks!